Please sit comfortably. Good evening, everyone. Good evening, everyone online. Um, let's talk about monkey mind. We all know what monkey mind is. We all experience monkey mind. And we're referring to that state of mind we get into where um, we're grasping at things, we're flitting from one thing to another. Um, it's sort of confusing, dissatisfying, um, agitated kind of experience. It's jumping around like a monkey in a tree. And I was having a conversation with a um, colleague of mine um, who's a very experienced um, medical practitioner, a GP, and we were talking about how um, so many people these days um, diagnose themselves online, you know, with various different psychiatric and psychological illnesses. And one of the favourite ones is um, ADD or ADHD, you know, attention deficit disorder. And um, what he was saying is that there are people who, like down the more severe end of the spectrum, uh, you know, gen genuinely fit that diagnosis. And um, not that we know entirely what the cause of it is or what's going on neurologically. There seems to be something in the way some people's brains are wired up um, that they, they find it very difficult to maintain attention and they're very sort of uh, agitated or energetic in their life. But, he, but what he said, which, which made me laugh, but I thought was very, very interesting as well coming from a, a GP, he said the rest of it, it's just all monkey mind. <laughs> and people have monkey mind, but they go online and they go, oh, yeah, I'll tick that box and that one and that one. I must have ADHD, you know. But it's just monkey mind. You know? But what, what, is the, what, is the, um, what is the desire behind wanting to have a diagnosis? You know, it's like if we can put a label to it, oh, that's what I've got, you know. As though somehow that's going to solve the problem or... There's going to be a solution for it or something, you know, or maybe what it does at some level, if I can, if I can turn it into a, a psychiatric disorder, is that maybe, maybe the positive side of it is I become less judgmental of myself for having it because, hey, I can't help it. It's just sort of I was born that way or whatever. So that may be some of the sense of relief that people might have, but it also has the sense in it of... Um, grasping after something, you know, like grasping after an explanation that's going to make it all seem okay. And and if you, the more you practice sazen, you, you see that the chasing after explanations um, goes nowhere, really. It may, it may have some useful medical um, uh, assistance, but in terms of more existential everyday living, chasing after explanations and theories will get you get you nowhere. It won't lead to, um, you know, fulfilment and contentment. So um, I'm not saying anything new here. You know, we read it in the papers, in, in the media and so on. But our kind of lifestyles create monkey mind, our modern lifestyles. You know, being on screens, you know, and, and surfing, you know, the internet going from one stimulating, interesting, vivid experience to another and another and another and another. You do, if you do that long enough, 
um, you'll generate monkey mind. You know, it can't just stay steady on one particular task for very long. And as we all know, in terms of the neuroscience, it's like we're we're chasing after the next dopamine experience. You know, it's going to feel exciting and interesting and new. And we keep on going and going and going and going. And we generate monkey mind, you know. People don't sit down just quietly and um, read books like they used to. You know, so many people have audio books, you know, while they're driving the car or whatever. Um, so all of our all of our culture actually uh, generates this monkey mind kind of experience. Um, but what can we do about it? Well, you can take Ritalin or Dexamphetamine or you can do something like mindfulness or meditation. There was a, uh, many years ago, there's a workshop I went to by a professor, Dan Brown, who was um, a Harvard University professor of psychology. And he was also a Tibetan Buddhist um, lineage holder. So he was a Buddhist teacher as well. And I, and I remember, and I respected his opinion, you know, in terms of his, um, study and so on, but he said, I can't remember the part of the brain, but he says the part of the brain, if you if you take Ritalin, it lights up, so it's activated. He said it's the same part of the brain that lights up and gets activated if you meditate. Right? So I said, meditation, medication, take your, take your pick, um, but it's actually lighting up that same area that actually cultivates focused attention. Um, but, um, you know, I, th I think the threshold for ADHD is too low, um, as my colleague is saying. And so many people go for the, the, the quick fixes, the, the Ritalin and the Dexamphetamine, um, when if they learn how to meditate and they change their lifestyle, they would end up with a, a good result. And when it comes to meditation practice, as, as many of you know, and I've spoken about this before, um, I don't actually like starting people off new who come to the group on straight, open-ended mindfulness. And what I encourage people to do in the beginning, the very beginning, which is a traditional way it's done in a, a Zen temple in Japan, if a new young monk came into practice, is breath counting. And, and breath counting is a much better foundation practice to deal with that monkey mind experience because it's so structured you know you you follow the breath and you count the number one after the other and you come back and do it again over and over again it's that very structured practice which is really is needed as an antidote to monkey mind to begin with and there's the centuries and centuries do you know of of Zen practice, which has gone on, do you know, and the and the uh, the knowledge of this in the culture is handed down because we know that it works. So once someone is then grounded in that concentration and they can breath count, not perfectly, um, but reasonably well, and keep the continuity going, then it's good to go on to a next step of uh, labelling. You know, and then and then into open mindfulness because you've got the foundation. But if you just go straight into mindfulness, um, the the monkey mind usually wins out. Uh -huh. hasn't been hasn't been trained. 
And one of the other things we need to do as well is we think of meditation as just a technique and, and if we do that, everything will fall into place. But we forget that there's a feedback loop in the way that we live our life and then when we sit down and meditate. And if we live a life that's very busy, complicated, lots of talking, lots of over-socialising, over-stimulation, overthinking, and including a lot of partying, etc., or gaming, if you do a lot of that in your life and go, oh, yeah, I'll sit down and meditate. Right, okay. There's a lot of stuff happening there, do you know, that's been stimulated and is scattered during the day, and it'll make it harder for you to settle. But if you have a lifestyle that's simple or simplified, um, you know, we spend time in nature, time at the beach, you know, recreational activities, playing music, dancing, whatever it might be, things that, re- that are enjoyable but main, that re- require a, a discipline and a focus. If that's more like the kind of life that you're living, when you sit down to do this formal meditation, you're going to drop into it much more quickly. So you can't separate, you can't think of meditation as being some, some magic bullet to cut through the monkey mind. It requires a lifestyle change as well. And that's where the precepts come in as well because that's part of the lifestyle change. If you're caught up in gossip and criticism, self-promotion, etc., you sit down and your mind is preoccupied with all that and scattered with all of that. So all of these things come together in synchronicity as a practice. So meditation, precepts, lifestyle, um, all interact with one another to create the best conditions in which to um, settle within yourself. One of the other practices that you can do in everyday life, um, and again, it's very, very simple, one thing at a time. So instead of getting up in the morning to get breakfast and you're going, toast, coffee, where's that, do you know, and rushing around paper, where's the newspaper, and, and scattered, monkey mind running the show, it just, you don't have to go down to be dead slow, but just take the edge off it and just mindfully take the coffee cup out of the cupboard and mindfully close it. And then the next thing you do is you fill up the water jug Right? And then you put it on and you watch it boil and then you get the milk out. Just what, just slowing everything down to full attention one thing at a time is what will really help to develop that, cut through that monkey mind domination. Another simple method, and this is a method that um, my, my friend and fellow teacher Ezra Bader um, developed um, to help people with monkey mind and he called it three by three is that you just focus on one breath your attention is on one breath breathing out and then the next breath you're aware of sound coming and going and then the next breath it's breath and sound together and keep on repeating in threes Um, and that way um, because it's only three things to do, uh, it's easier to get into some kind of 
rhythm with it, you know, and um, get on a roll. And as you know, um, particularly if you've done a retreat or even coming tonight and doing some sustained sitting, once you, once you just stay with just committing the body to be still, upright, relaxed, you know, not fidgeting at all, not even moving your toes, just doing that, um, you can't help but settle into something which is calmer and the monkey mind starts to settle. So sometimes just making a commitment, like when you're talking with someone, just don't, like, don't fiddle, like don't move your thumbs or whatever or things like that. Just, sit, just commit to sitting still and you'll find that everything starts to settle down from there. So monkey mind is always chasing dopamine experiences. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's never enough. You know, it's like an addiction, one thing to the other, to the other, to the other. And um, our practice is to drop below that experience and come home into our sense of contentment and, and fulfilment and a more satisfying life.